The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic to cosplay to Schitt's Creek to Supernatural and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are kicking off the slashers portion of our horror celebration, which is the one I have been most excited about. Because this is honestly my favorite subgenre, and I can tell my panelists, Sasha and Susie, are also excited, and they will be on every single one. Sasha might miss out on Friday the 13th, but we're hoping, fingers crossed, that she doesn't. But this should be a lot of fun. We're going to be starting with Scream, then Nightmare on Elm Street, then Halloween, and then closing out with Friday the 13th, because I thought it'd be good to close out with probably, I don't know, probably the godfather of <laughs> slasher films is the friday 13th series in my opinion and that's the one that i'm the most mixed on so that'll be a good discussion but we're going to kick off with scream but before we do that and before my panelists tell me what they're into right now just a quick housekeeping note that of course we are on patreon uh we have a great little bonus episode that's like three little outtakes from our poltergeist episode that have nothing to do with poltergeist i think they're fun we have, hopefully it will be up by this weekend. That's my goal. We'll have another bonus episode talking about Lucifer, the last season of Lucifer. And that was, uh, that was a lot of fun to record. I'm, I'm not as positive on Lucifer as everybody else was, <laughs> but I had some good things to say and it was, it was a fun conversation. Okay. So look for that link in our show notes or go to any of our social media and it'll be there as well. Okay. So Sasha, what are you into right now? So I discovered, thanks to my husband, um, anybody who has a Roku, Roku has, uh, it's called 50 States of Fright. It just started on the 15th. So basically Roku bought a streaming service called Quibi, which was going to do quick bites. So it was going to be 10 minute increments. So 50 States of Fright is by Sam Raimi. So anybody who's a horror fan knows who Sam Raimi is. Um, and so it's basically they're taking a legend from all 50 states and dramatizing it. So the very first one is Michigan, and it's called, I think, The Golden Arm. And it's the only one that's going to be directed by Sam Raimi. And you can tell it's Sam Raimi because it's got the garden hose blood splatter, right? Like all of his, I feel like all Sam Raimi, if there's somebody who gets cut, it's like fountains of blood. <laughs> yeah. How about the car? Is the car there? Uh, there is. I don't think there's a car in that one. So it's basically a lumberjack mm -hmm. and his wife. Uh, but the lumberjack is Tra Travis Fimmel, who plays Ragnar on Vikings. So anybody who's a Vikings fan 
anybody who likes Vikings knows who Ragnar is and he's hot. So there's that. <laughs> um, but it's basically, it's in three parts and each one is only 10 minutes. So it's a total okay. of like a half an hour for an urban legend story. So it's, I've only watched the first one, but it was really fun. So 50 States of Fright on Roku. Awesome. Yeah, I don't have Roku anymore, but <laughs> I have my old, old Roku. Maybe I can plug it in. I don't know. Uh, Susie, what are you into? So my brain lately has been more crumbly than a Nature Valley bar. <laughs> and if anyone has a Nature Valley Aww. bar, they know that that is just to pieces. So to, in an attempt to like put myself in kind of a more like a positive, better headspace, I've been watching Ted Lasso. And it is, oh, guys, it is so good. It's it's about, like, a golden retriever dill from Kansas who coaches American football, who goes to teach, like, soccer football in the U.K. And it, it's a fun watch, and it, and it has a really good job of, like, representing, like, dealing with divorce, dealing with panic attacks, dealing with having abusive parents and kind of, like, growing as people and it's it has really good character development i'd say and it's it's a really fun watch it's more lighthearted and cute than anything and since i've heard previously that Aaron might do an episode on it i would just yep put my name in <laughs> i knew that was gonna fill up in like two seconds yeah because bex from big reputation podcast she tagged me on twitter not too long ago because i've been getting so many requests for episodes that's why i kind of had to be like okay we're full but she's like i want fandom thing to be do to do an episode on ted lasso and i was like okay that'll happen next year but <laughs> but this is the second week in a row that this has been recommended i also want to point out that when we posted our recommendations for the week the director of the film that I recommended um, Superhost. He was very excited to be included mm -hmm. on a list that included Ted Lasso. So I know this show is like, everybody loves this show. Have you watched this show, Sasha? No, where is it? Where is it at? It's on Apple TV. I just That's got why. like the, I got the free week subscription. Yeah, I don't I have, have I have Apple too many TV. subscriptions now. Yeah, mm -hmm. I just, I just did like the seven week, like free trial, <laughs> the seven day free trial. So that'll definitely be covered. So I think we've already got our panel full for that because <laughs> Judy wants to be on it too because she's who recommended it last week. So yeah. And this is Aaron. And I've been trying so hard to think of what I'm into, honestly, because <laughs> of course everything is about the podcast and things that I've been watching outside of the podcast are not things that really, I don't know. I Oh, I will say, I am a Batman fan. As I have said before, I don't like Captain America. Batman is 100,000 times better than Captain America. I'm going to keep losing all the Captain America fans. I guess that's my new goal. So I apologize. But the only reason I compare it is I've just seen people compare the two because, you know, one's Marvel, one's DC. But Batman's always been my absolute favorite. And they released a new trailer for The Batman on Saturday. And Susie looks as excited as I was. And I think it looks amazing. I was a little bit hesitant with Robert Pattinson. I, I will say Christian fucking Bale is my absolute number one Batman, number one Bruce Wayne. No one will be better than him in my mind. I support but, that. Thank you, Sasha. <laughs> but Robert Pattinson does look like he is doing a really, really good job. So does he I'm sparkle? No. <laughs> yeah. 
No, sorry. <laughs> no, it's funny. Although, you know, I will say for Robert Pattinson, he actually is a really good actor. He just got pigeonholed into the stupid Twilight movies that he doesn't even like. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was rude on my behalf. He is a decent human. I just had to ask if he sparkled. I make the jokes all the time, too. Yeah. Everyone involved in the Twilight movies was just like, well, we're in this hell right together. Let's try to... <laughs> Let's try to survive. I think that was the same reaction for the people that made the Fifty Shades of Grey movies, too. Oh. <laughs> They're like, well, we signed the contracts, but I just, we'll just finish these movies. That was a choice. That, that was a choice, <laughs> yeah. Choice. yeah. And the reason I mentioned them together is, you know, of course, because Fifty Shades of Grey is from a fanfic, basically, that was written yep. based on Twilight. So, hey. Anyway, okay. Well, let's get into Scream. So I want to first start off with, <laughs> we're going to be talking, oh, I love my panelists right now. Um, they're so excited to talk about these. I'm excited too. And plus we're doing two Wes Craven franchises and may he rest in peace because he is one of the best, the best horror creators out there. I, I Him and John Carpenter are kind of tied in my mind. Uh, and I think in a lot of people's minds kind of. Uh, but he he's, you know, and if you didn't know, he didn't set out to be a horror filmmaker. This was not something he was going to do, but then he just kind of did it. And I'm glad that he did because I think he's a genius um, at this in this genre. So may he rest in peace. So I'm happy that we get to celebrate some of his films. So we're going to start off first. We're going to be talking about all the Scream movies. So all the first four, because there is a fifth one coming out. So I want to know, Sasha, what are your rankings? How do you rank the films? I, this week, watched them all again because I hadn't seen them in a while. And I just want to start with, I absolutely love this franchise. I love everything about it because it is the, I'm going to make the statement that it is the first self-aware horror franchise where it makes fun of itself in itself as like stereotypical horror movements go. Yeah. So that's part of the reason that I absolutely love this franchise. But in watching them again, um, I would put them in the order that they came out. So I think one is the best out of them. I enjoyed two next. Three for me was like, ah, what are we doing? And then four, the best parts of four were the beginning when it was like stab inception. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, where it's like you're watching Stab 6, but it's really the intro to Stab 7. And then there's this other Stab and what is happening. And are you in the movie or like, is it the Stab movie or are we into Scream yet? Like, which movie are we in? But other than that, 4 seemed to be lacking. It was like, let's see how far we can push this. Like, let's take this idea and uh, we're just going to go with it. And it it was a miss for me. I mean, it was still fun because it's a Scream movie. You know, it's like pizza yeah. Even if it's mediocre pizza, it's still pizza. So you're like, all right, it's fine. You know, it's a whatever. Yeah. It's not my favorite, but would I watch it if it were on? Like if somebody was like, hey, we're going to throw in Scream 4. Do you have one? No? Okay, I'll watch four. <laughs> kind of how I feel about it. So I would put them in the order that they came out as far as like mm -hmm. best to worst for me personally. Susie, is your list different than that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say it's it's very different. Um, for me, number one, of course, the original Scream. Um, I love the performance of everyone in it. Of Sydney, Stu, Billy, Tatum. 
it's it has one of my most favorite Matthew Lillard performances <laughs> as yep. just unhinged stew. I mean, I still quote his line sometimes when I'm like, "Damn, what a woozy here!" <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's lots of fun. And well, for my second one, I'd have to say it's Scream Four because up until kind of like the fourth one, I'm not really counting number three because. I'm going to tell you right now, that's at the bottom of my list. Because, <laughs> like, number four, we get, like, a spoilers, a direct family member of Sydney tr- actively trying to kill her for for fame and fortune to kind of, like, profit off of, like, the Prescott name of survivorship, in a way. And the second one kind of has to be Scream 2. Third, sorry. Third. <laughs> <laughs> third is Scream 2. And just, I think the last two and three for me are kind of, in my opinion, sort of like the weaker ones, just because I don't, I don't really like the the named killers in them because I just kind of find their motives to be kind of the. No, I'm glad everybody's rankings are are a little bit. Mine are sort of different, but yeah, and and Stu, I mean, yes, I think my favorite line of is is definitely like, "Did you really call my parents? My mom is going to be so." That's my favorite. <laughs> the way he delivers those. And what's sad to me is I guess he actually, Matthew Lillard actually doesn't think his performance is as great as everybody else thinks it is. I know. So if you ever listen to this, Matthew, your performance is amazing. I mean, really, it's one of the best horror performances ever. Ever. <laughs> All right, Aaron, Beetlejuice him. Matthew Lillard, Matthew Lillard, Matthew Lillard. We love you, Matthew. Please come on. I love Just him. Let's <laughs> talk to you. you. You're fabulous. You're great. Yep. Uh, well, my rankings, and my rankings used to be actually Sasha's. But then when I rewatched them again this time, my third and fourth ones switched. So I rank them one. I, I mean, I don't see how... I guess people, I guess I could kind of see how people might like the sequels better, but I just, I mean, nothing beats the original in my mind. And then the second one is the second one. <laughs> and then for third, I have the fourth one. The fourth one, I used to hate the fourth one. Like, I hated it. Like, I remember I watched it again a couple of years ago and I was like, oh my gosh, I wanted to watch a horror movie and I decided to watch this. And now I remember why I wasn't a fan of this one. And I can't, I think it's because I didn't really like who the killers were and I don't know it bothered me and it felt I don't know it felt like it was moving away it was trying to move away even though she was involved and even though we had Gail and we did have Dewey it still felt like it was trying to separate itself and become like with a new batch of teenagers I don't know uh, but then when I rewatched it for this one I actually appreciated it a lot more and I actually appreciated who the killers were a lot more Especially, I think um, I think Emma Robert Roberts, excuse me, did, did a really good job in Scream Four. So I thought she was really good at playing. Like, you know, she seems very much like Sydney in the beginning, and then doing that twist where she is one of the killers and she's the main one. I liked that a lot. I like it when we kind of twist things around in this genre where you have a woman being the killer because it's usually a man. And so I like that in the slasher genre when you do that, when you twist it a little bit. But yeah, I think this whole franchise is a rare franchise in that even though, and kind of like what Sasha said, even though I'm not as big a fan 
of the sequels as I am the original one, or I might not be, you know, I might not always be apt to want to watch the third one. I still think they are so entertaining and the performances are so good and the directing is so good. The music, the score, the killer, everything like that. Their opening kills are always amazing. I think the opening kills are the best parts of these, honestly, or at least one of the best parts because they know how to do that and they know how to kind of subvert your expectations or they did in the first one, you know, of course, because having Drew Barrymore, who was like the one of the biggest stars at that time, having her die right away was a pretty cool way to do that. Um, and I liked, and even though I really kind of didn't want Cotton to die, I was kind of upset when Cotton was murdered, to be honest, because I know Cotton is kind of a sleazeball, but I really like Cotton and I was kind of upset when he was murdered in the third one. So that's kind of another reason that falls a little bit down there, but I still liked that whole thing and the way they did it. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a great series and I'm very excited for the fifth one, which we may get to talking about our hopes or thoughts on that. Okay, so there are a lot of characters throughout these, but I wanted to focus on the three main people in this movie, in my opinion, are Sydney, Gale, and Dewey. So I want to get your thoughts, uh, Sasha, first on Sydney, who is considered, of course, the final girl and the rarity that the final girl has survived all four movies, all three of these, really, because I think you can make an argument that all three of them are final girls and final guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts on Sydney? First of all, Sydney has the worst luck of any human I've ever, <laughs> ever, ever encountered. Like, I don't know what she did in a past life or how many mirrors she broke and cracks stepped on under ladder walking. I don't know what happened to her, but she is definitely has the worst luck. She is 100% a final girl. The first one was really like... I mean, she was had this whole innocent thing going, you know, she was the virgin and will you settle for PG-13 and flashes him and, you know, she's just got that like naivety about her. By the end of the third one, she's like, I'm fucking over it. Like I'm done. <laughs> Zero interest anymore. So when the fourth one came out, she was full on in your face. I'm going to run into the house, up the stairs, at the killer you know, she turned into almost a Ripley from Aliens. It was almost that, like, get away from her, you bitch. Like, I'm I'm just going to go on the offensive now. So I think her story arc as a final girl became more, like, she went beyond final girl into that full-on aggressive, I, I have to take matters more into my own hands than, like, the final girl's purpose is just kill the bad guy and go on with life and she did that over and over and over. So now it's like, she's, you know, she's almost hunting him or them, the mystery killer, as it were. Because yeah. I don't want to gender them because they're not all boys. So no, no, they aren't. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to, to, that's a good comparison. The Ripley comparison. Yeah. And Susie, your thoughts on Sydney? Oh, I really, I freaking love Sydney and just how we see her evolution, like, through these movies. She is a very unfortunate person, and I feel really bad for her. Um, but I, like, something that I can kind of, her story is kind of similar to that of Steven Universe, um, which is a kid's cartoon. 
would have a lot more depth in it than people would think. But the thing with Steven is that his mother did some pretty like awful bad things. And so most of the show and his whole journey is him dealing with the aftermath and him dealing with people who want to seek like retribution or revenge. And that's kind of for some, for some of Sydney's um, story, that's kind of like what she has to deal with is like her mom slept with a, with a married man. And some whiny little white boy internalized that and was like, "You made my mom leave me." <laughs> just smile <laughs> and just and the and just like having the half brother who's like, "Your your your mom is terrible." Like, no, just ugh. guys, therapy is a thing. Please go to it and just like <laughs> learn and evolve. But I, I just love how we kind of get this progression of her, like, as she goes, just becoming, like, more kind of, like, badass progressively in each one. One of my favorite scenes in the fourth one is when she, um, she has the defibrillators <laughs> and she shocks her cousin. She's like, Claire! <laughs> it's it's just, she just gets so tough and, like, so, oh, yeah, she's unfortunately well-seasoned in surviving a murder. <laughs> So she knows what to do. She knows how to handle this situation. And Don't you feel like she would be the ultimate, like, hey, I, I need to get rid of a body. Do you think you can, <laughs> yeah, think you like, can help me? Just like, help me. Like, <laughs> oh, I got you. I've done this. Yeah, yeah. She'd, yeah, she'd be that friend who's like, oh, can you want me to get rid of your body? Oh, just don't ask me any questions. Oh, they probably deserved it. So let's do this and pick up that. I'll bring the bleach and you get the, the tarps out and we'll we'll get this taken care of. Yeah, they, I think that's a good way to <laughs> she is that friend you'd call to bail you out of jail and <laughs> out of any bad situation, you know, that you're in. Like, Definitely. He said, hey, I got a stalker. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get this handled. I've been there, <laughs> I've been there done that kind of thing would be her thought. Yeah, I mean, I th I think she's one of the best final girls we've had ever and i think nev campbell does a really good job in this role and a really good job portraying her evolution because she goes through a ton of trauma all the i mean all these characters do but she goes through so much trauma because it's not just like some random person that she doesn't know it's usually it's people that are connected to her or connected to her family or are her family coming after her and torturing her and killing her friends and killing event you know her boyfriend in the second one and all that kind of stuff so she has to deal with the fact that number one she never knows who is going to be stalking and killing her she can't really trust anyone so you've got that thing going on and then you also have the fact that you can't let anyone close to you for fear that they might be killed <laughs> so that's got to be a lot and so it's amazing to me how much she can survive and how strong she is. And I think she's a great female icon. She's great at showing, you know, a woman who is very strong, very kick-ass and becomes stronger and stronger and stronger as the films progress instead of becoming, they very easily could have had her become like more withdrawn. They could have had her quote unquote, lose it kind of thing. And instead, they didn't. Instead, she becomes a more secure person with herself. She becomes 
she's still got fear in there, I think, but she's got this thing where, like you were saying, Susie, in the fourth one, where she's actually in there with the in the room with her cousin, and the way she's confronting her cousin, I don't think Sydney in Scream One, even though she is kick ass in that too, I don't know if she would have confronted her cousin the same way that she did. Like there was this very much like I don't give a fuck. You, I'm gonna, you're gonna, I'm, I'm gonna confront you. I'm gonna get you. I'm not gonna sit here a victim. I'm not a victim. I am a survivor. And I think that's her big thing is she's a survivor and she survived so, so, so much more than any human being really could probably take usually. So yes, I think, I think she's excellent, amazing. And I, I love her. And I love the fact that another reason I love these movies is that it also subverts the, the, trope in slashers where the final girl usually will die at the very beginning of the next installment in the franchise. And I like the fact that she doesn't. I think that is amazing and awesome and a great way to do that because it also is is um, a great thing for women to see, I think, that she's not necessarily going to die. I mean, she's always in danger, but I like that, that she has survived thus far. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the fifth one. But I think it would be an absolute crime if they killed her. So I just want to say that. Um, but yeah. So now I want to talk about Gail Weathers. Because Gail is, of course, she can be like the foe. She's got attitude. She's she's a character that in most of these would be dead by now, honestly. <laughs> would have been murdered by now. But I think she's also a final girl. Very different kind of final girl, but definitely a final girl. So what are your thoughts on Gail? Sasha. I agree that she is a final girl, but she's like a final girl by accident. It's like not an intentional final girl. Like she just continues to survive. And I think part of that is her tenacity as, you know, like a journalist and I have to get the story. I have to get the story. I'm going to get the story. And so she's doing all these things, but she ends up in these situations where, you know, I don't, it's like the killer almost overlooks her. You know, in the first one, she comes in and confronts Billy with the gun and she's got the safety on and he knocks her out. And she falls into Dewey and he's like ready to kill her and something else happens. So then he doesn't, you know, so she continues to survive by accident. In the second one, she falls down in the stage, you know, in the um, like the orchestra pit area yeah. of the stage. And so it's assumed that, you know, she's died or whatever. Like nobody goes to check. It's like she always falls down and is unconscious and nobody checks her to see if she's dead or not. So she continues to, to survive. And I think it's completely by accident. My favorite part <laughs> about Gail is though in the third one, when it's got the other woman playing Gail and she's like, am I really that? I'm not that annoying. Like, what is going on? It's like, Oh honey, in the first one, you were totally that annoying, <laughs> you know? So it was really funny to see her have to interact with like the movie version of herself, that mm-hmm. whole meta thing that happened so that was fun but she is i would consider her final girl just a final girl on accident not on purpose yeah yeah susie yeah i completely agree she's definitely a final girl by just chance or luck (laughs) because like in most of these scenes when she's about to get killed like there's some like by Ex Deus Machina or whatever she gets, she survives and comes and is able to kind of like walk away. 
she's never, out of all the characters in the series, she's never really been my favorite. Um, mainly it's because I don't really like how, like, journalists and reporters are generally portrayed in media because they're mostly just portrayed as leeches, which is the truth mm-hmm. to, to some of them, but, um, it's like, but they just take that and go to like absolute extreme. So in the first movie, when she gets punched, I'm like, yeah, you get her. Punch her again. Just one more. Send a message. What does Tatum say? <laughs> Boom. Bitch went down. Yeah. I think that's what she <laughs> Yeah. Because, yeah. uh, like, I know she's just kind of doing her job, but come on, man. This, this girl just, like, especially in the first one, I'm like, she just lost her mother. She's going through, she's going through it. And you're just like, story, 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 story. Like, no, just GTFO. <laughs> Get here. She's never really been my favorite, but I can kind of understand her being a presence. I don't know. I just, I kind of, I just don't like her. <laughs> I can't say anything nice. So I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> That's funny. Because I love Gail. I absolutely love Gail. Uh, and I, I mean, yes, she does some hor- horrible things. She's, you know, a typical tabloid reporter and a typical, like, part of that paparazzi crap stuff in the beginning. But I think she has a big evolution. And I think even though she still maintains that thing of, like, she wants to be that reporter and be that star reporter. And you see that in the fourth one where she's kind of struggling with the fact that now she's living in this small town. Her husband is actually, I don't know, a bigger star, quote unquote, in that area than she is. She doesn't know what to write. She's having writer's block. She doesn't know what to do. And then when, you know, more murders are taking place, she's like, oh, cool. Now I can be back to that reporter thing. I can solve this mystery. And she loved that. So I think she has a lot of those internal struggles of she wants to be a really good person but she also has that thing of wanting fame and wanting attention. And I think she has a lot of inner struggle struggle with that. But I do think her evolution was really fun to, it's really fun to watch. And I think Courtney Cox does a really good job too. I mean, I really, I think everybody in these movies are really good, but I think Courtney Cox does a really good job of, of playing that. And I think I would imagine for her, because a lot of people, of course, will always think of Courtney Cox as being Monica from Friends. And I think this character is a, is very different from that. And I'm sure, I mean, I can't speak for her, but I'm sure that was part of what attracted her to this role was doing that. And I just, and yeah, I agree. It is by accident because like I said, this would have been a character that in most horror movies would have been dead by the end of the first one. Even before the end, she would have been like, one of those where she gets murdered and the audience feels kind of conflicted about it because they're like, well, she's horrible. So I'm kind of okay that she's dead, but I shouldn't be okay with someone being murdered, but I kind of am. She's one of those kind of characters at first, but uh, towards by the time you get to the fourth one, even I would argue by the time you get to the third one, even the end of the second one, I think she becomes a a character you root for. At least I do. I, 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 and I love her relationship with Dewey. I think that's one of the best things in this franchise because it's not something you would normally see, but they work, they have such great chemistry. I mean, 
they were married for a long time, so it makes sense. But they have such good chemistry, David Arquette and, and Courtney Cox do. So I love watching them, and they kind of play off of each other really well. And I think part of the reason she grew so much was because of that relationship. And I also love the evolution of her relationship with Sydney because she's a foe for Sydney, and Sydney hates her, and Gail hates Sydney. And they really don't like each other. And then it kind of evolves into this friendship where they actually really like each other. By the fourth one, you can tell they're great friends. So I I also really like that. So I, I like Gail a lot. I think I think she's awesome. And I, I want her to survive too. And I love her hair throughout this series. I want to say that. <laughs> I think her hair is amazing. I mean, my least favorite is probably the bangs. I didn't like that look as much. But most of her other looks, I have to say, I, I loved her hair. <laughs> Throwing that out there. Okay, so let's talk about Dewey, who I argue is a final guy. So, Sasha, what are your thoughts on Dewey? I totally agree. He's a final guy. And I love Dewey. I love his entire growth that he makes over the series. When he, you know, Hayden's like, all right deputy doofus and you know like he he just gets razzed so hard at the beginning by everybody because it's like he's just dewy he's kind of oafy he's like a big slobbery puppy dog like you just want to pet him and be like it'll be okay and move on and then when he first meets gail and they're talking and she's like oh i my test subjects like i score highest with boys that are what was it like 12 to 24 and he's like yeah. oh, i'm 25 and she's like i just missed you you know, and he turns around, he's like, I was 24 for a whole year. It's like, oh, you go get it, buddy. Like, you go. Shoot your shot, bud. Go for it. So I just, again, he's a final guy, like, on accident. Like, he survives the dumbest stuff. How, how many times are you going to get stabbed in the back and walk away? <laughs> like, buddy, let's not make, put your back against a wall. At a certain point, after you've been stabbed enough times, you have to be like, nobody's going to sneak up behind me. I'm just going to hang out right here. It's fine. But I I love him. I do like his approach to his relationship with Gail because in the third one, he's kind of connected to the fake Gail. And so she's like, her feathers get ruffled. Like, what do you, it's me, but it's not me, but it's me. You know, so he's, I don't know. He's just cute. And you just want to wrap him in bubble wrap. That's really what I want to do. Like, I just want to protect that poor boy. Because I'm afraid that the more of these movies we get, the less of, <laughs> the, the less his odds are of survival <laughs> with a knife in the back. Yeah. That's, so. that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So Susie, your thoughts on Dewey? Oh yeah, Dewey is like definitely a final guy by luck. <laughs> I just think it's really funny and kind of cute how in the first one he's like, even though he's already a, like a police officer and whatnot, he's still like Tatum's derpy older brother. <laughs> She's like, ugh. But he's, and he's just trying his, God bless him, he's just trying his best. <laughs> and it's, it's a, it is interesting, as much as I don't like Gail, it is interesting and in, to see kind of how their relate his relationship with Gail like grows and changes over the course of the movies. 
I'm really curious to see what that relationship is going to look like in the fifth one. But as I just, I like him. And, but one thing that I really wish that maybe I don't explicitly remember right now, but I think it would have been interesting if maybe the screen movies had touched upon him dealing with the loss of his sister. Because it's, it, it is mainly a focus on Sydney and I get that she is our main girl, but I think that would have also been a really good opportunity to show how one deals with the, with the, with the death of a loved one, especially in his case, even though he's not kind of like the main character, the more of a secondary one, it would have been interesting to see him kind of how he dealt with that and how maybe Gail could have helped him kind of deal with that or how that could have looked like. That's something else you could have seen. That's, I think that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been nice to see how he dealt with that loss and the grief. That would have been nice. I agree. Uh, well, I love Dewey. I absolutely adore Dewey. I would say Dewey is probably, honestly, Dewey is probably my favorite character in, in these movies. You know, what's interesting is when I was rewatching him, I took a note that said, and this is true. When I saw the first scream, I honestly thought what they were doing with Dewey is I thought they were trying to show that Dewey had a crush on Sydney and it had this weird crush on her forever, which would have been really creepy and wrong and weird. But it, there was something with the way they shot it or filmed it that made me think that he had a crush on her and that he was trying to impress her and all this stuff in the beginning. And then of course, watching him with Gail, that all went out the window. But I remember that very vividly. But what I think that really was is I think Dewey views Sydney as his sister and is very protective of her and, you know, watching a character that I, in the original script, Dewey was not supposed to be like this. Dewey was actually supposed to be your, what you would typically see of like a cop that was supposed to be really quote unquote competent and like really built and muscular and like, you know, something like that. He was not supposed to be like Dewey. He was not supposed to be like a goofy guy. And I'm glad that they, that, that got changed because... I don't think Dewey would have been as likable if he had been like that typical macho cop crap thing. I don't think he would have been as likable. I don't, and I don't think he would have survived. And I don't think I would have liked watching him and Gail together or watching his interactions with anybody because it just would have been kind of boring and stupid. It would have been so, a totally different movie. Well, yeah, yeah, that too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But so I'm really glad that they didn't do that. So yeah, I, I like him a lot. I do think he's a final guy. I do think it is incredible that he is alive though, because <laughs> it is amazing the stuff he has survived. It's <laughs> how many knives we need a stab oh. count. Susie, can you do a stab count for us? Thank you. Susie's on the stab count. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We need a count on how many times Dewey got stabbed. Awesome. I'll get to it. But yeah, this man needs like a, like a stab proof jacket. Like it was just, like the like where is his kevlar why is he not wearing a bullet vest? yeah bullet vest? bulletproof vest bulletproof vest, bullet vest. <laughs> words are hard kids <laughs> yeah but he's he's amazing and awesome and i really really hope what some theories have said that some people still think he's probably going to die in the fifth one I really hope that's wrong, <laughs> but we'll see. I yeah. love Dewey so much. And I love David Arquette in this role. I, I really just, he's, 
he's really, really good in this role. And I just, I, I think Dewey is like this one of the best horror characters out there. And like I said, I think definitely my, my favorite in the whole, the whole franchise. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Unlike other slashers, there are different ghost faces in each one. So you don't have the same one, although there are theories about the fifth one, which we'll get to. But who's your favorite ghost face, Sasha? Okay, so if I promise to keep this short, can I just briefly mention my favorite and then talk about the other ones super fast? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So my my top ghost face is going to be Billy and Stu. Because, again, I can't, you can't mess with the original. Um, I love them. I love the reveal. I love the entire scene in the kitchen when they're like, you know, here's the motive and all of Stu's like, like Susie said, I'm getting feeling kind of woozy. And then the, my mom's going to be so mad. And just the, I think you went too deep. Like I'm just, I'm in trouble. Like he reverts back to a little kid. I like Billy as a complete and utter sociopath. I just, Mm -hmm. he nailed it. Like Skeet Ulrich, kudos. You you looked creepy as all hell. It made me question any boys I dated after that. It was like, oh, what's happening? Um, so they are by far my favorite. My next favorite, and I know this is going to be controversial and you guys are going to come at me, but I liked the ghost facers in the second one. I liked Mickey's pure psychopathy um, because he's a complete psychopath. Like it's the millennium. You don't need a motive. It's yeah. it's the sequel. We're doing it for whatever. And I liked that it was Billy's mom, Mrs. Loomis, just because it made me think of Friday the 13th, right? It's like the mom has to come in and avenge the son. So I liked that throwback reference to another horror franchise, because for me, it was like, all right. And then, I mean, Loomis is the doctor from Halloween. Like, it's all wrapped up. So I like them. The ones that I didn't like, and I'm sorry, Susie, and I'm sorry, Aaron, I don't like the family ties. I don't like that Roman was it in the third one as the brother that happened because of what happened to her mom in Hollywood and how he wanted Sydney's life and it was all his and it should have been mine. And I found my mom and she didn't want me because of, you know, all of this and wham, 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 wham. So I didn't like him. And then the cousin thing I just felt was tired. I was like, really? We're going to go with a cousin? I liked that it was a girl. That was cool. But I was like, come on. Like, this family isn't fucked enough. You're <laughs> you're just really going to make it all dysfunctional. So I'll stop now. <laughs> Susie? Yes. Oh, no surprise. I really love Stu and Billy. These unhinged little weirdos. <laughs> just like oh my god that is no again those boys need a therapy and a hug maybe some hot cocoa or something something hot cocoa <laughs> maybe you never you never know the healing properties that cocoa has 
hot, like a nice mug of homemade hot cocoa with some whipped cream, a little cinnamon or candy marshmallows. Cream, you know? Like, my, my, oh my god! <laughs> if you get like little shaved marshmallows in there, delicious and nutritious. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> Give them a little cozy blanket and a oh candy cane. Yeah, yeah, just. Like, yeah, I want to commit murders. No, no, just sit there with your cocoa. Just drink it. <laughs> Hot cocoa, the anti murder drink of choice. It's like, let's work through this, guys. Stu, maybe you're doing this because you're bored, because that seems like it's the primary reason. I think it was just Stu crying for help, because it looks like his parents don't pay him enough attention. Let's explore that part. Let's let's go into it. Really, you need to work through mommy issues. Let's let's talk about it. Let's work through it. But like really quick, also my second favorite um, kind of ghost face is Jill, <laughs> because I just like in that movie, I just love how we're kind of like led to believe that she is probably going to become like a final girl, like Sydney, and it's going to be this thing that maybe unfortunately runs in the family. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, but I love like the twist that that happens and I was just like no I want to be famous too like oh my god I can't believe this what and another like favorite one of my other favorite sequences in that movie is when she like starts hurting herself like she gets her boyfriend's dead arm and just like uses it to rip out hair runs mm-hmm. at the wall with a knife that sticks it in her shoulder throws herself back on the table. It's, again, also very unhinged. Let's talk about it. Let's let's work through some of these issues. <sighs> well, who's your least, least favorite then, since Sasha went over all? What's your least favorite? Her half-brother. Her ha- Yeah, that's my least yeah. favorite. Thing, it's yeah. like, I, that is someone I'm not willing to talk to. He doesn't get any hot cocoa. He can just... Just <laughs> hot cocoa. We need a rating scale for Susie's hot cocoa. Like yeah. who gets hot, who needs hot cocoa and who doesn't qualify for hot cocoa? Like is hot cocoa. Susie's Mickey therapeutic get? chart of hot cocoa ness. Does Mickey get the hot cocoa? He gets like the really watered down, oh, like the basic Swiss Miss. That n- worse. Oh, I'm gonna take that Swiss Miss and dilute it down. Even more, Aww. like this is what you get. Don't come at me. Brown Mrs. water, Mrs. Loomer. Yeah, brown water. You get any? Miss? Did you say Mrs.? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, she'll get some to the face. Wow. <laughs> I'm gonna heat up that Swiss Miss and just like throw it at her. Just like, oh no, I tripped. She can get it in a chipped mug, throw it at her face. That's nope. But I love that. Well, my favorite, uh, just to repeat, I mean, Stu and Billy are just amazing. And I want to say another little trivia about Skeet Ulrich is he did not realize when he did this movie, this is why his performance, I think, is even better. He didn't realize he was in a movie that was also poking fun at the genre. And was kind of a parody of the genre. He didn't know that. He didn't realize that people that love the genre were actually going to laugh at a lot of this. He thought he was in a straight up horror movie without any of the meta, without any of that stuff. So that's why his performance <laughs> is so to is to that level, to playing somebody who is a psychopath. But he it nailed worked. it, man. 
yeah, it works because he's the straight guy to all these other people, really. Mm-hmm. And it really works very well. And when Sasha said that about the dating thing, yes, he's very reminiscent of every guy in high school I either dated or had a crush on. <laughs> right? I'm like, Even oh, after high school. Yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. <laughs> my entire 20s right there. I should have just like been like, oh no, you need too much cocoa. Yeah, all Gotta go. you need too much cocoa. All he was missing was the black hair, jet black hair, maybe a little bit of eyeliner and a leather jacket. And that would have been <laughs> Aaron's <laughs> ideal right there. <laughs> just really bad. But <laughs> yeah, it does make me think how many of those are psychopaths right now. Mm hmm. I mean, that's what happens. Like, for our male listeners, this is legit. Us women folk go through this, so you know. Us women folk. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and for the other ones, I I love Timothy Oliphant so, so much. Uh-huh. So, so, so much that I can't not love Mickey. I just can't not love Mickey. Uh, and I think he plays that really well. And... You know, he's got this way of doing this thing with his eyebrows. (laughs) He can look, because he also plays really nice and sweet guys, like in Santa Clarita Diet. I love his character in that. Oh, my favorite. Love it. Oh, I love. And and, uh, he played a really great character in one episode of The Mindy Project, which you should just go watch that episode. It's called Skater Man. And he's like this grown skater guy. (laughs) And he's so funny. So he's really good at comedy as well. And. I, I loved his little bit in, in the office, but he does this thing with his eyebrows where he can either look really sweet or completely crazy, like completely psychotic. It's amazing what he does with his face, with his facial expressions. So I love him so, so, so much. So I can't not love that character. I just can't. Mrs. Loomis, I'm very torn on because I I love Laurie Metcalf. I think she's a really good actress. I just honestly don't like the performance that much oh that performance was terrible and it's not the performance it's the fact of who the no i know yeah face was Mm -hmm. like and i agree like i was really excited to see her and then i was like oh honey oh what are you doing it's a little too much it's like yeah yeah and and i mean and i didn't really even like the reveal as much i think because of that fact Mm-hmm. And then honestly, the third one, whatever, I don't even care about him because, and and it's nothing against Scott Foley. I like Scott Foley, even though I didn't like Noel. We've already had this debate. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I like Noel. I just, but I, I like Scott Foley a lot. It's just, I don't know. It was just, it felt too cliche and kind of like it shouldn't be in this movie. And I will be honest, I didn't like the fact that it was just one killer. I, I like mm-hmm. it when it's two. And to me, it, it doesn't work as well if it's just one killer. I mean, you, you're always going to have... Huh? Yeah, you're always going to... Yeah, it felt like, okay, we're going to really twist it up here by having just one killer. And what I like about the Scream franchise is when they... The fact that they have two killers and one is always inevitably smarter than the other one. And I think that works and I like that a lot. And the fourth killer, I already said, I, I like the twist there that sh- I thought she was going to be the next Sydney, and then she doesn't end up being the next Sydney. I liked that a lot, um, and, I, and I thought the performance was really good, so I thought she was fun. But, I mean, no one beats the originals. <laughs> it's just, they mm-hmm. just don't. It's just really hard to beat that, I think. And no matter how great the other ones would be, it's really hard to beat that. But 
And then I just love Timothy Oliphant. So anything with him, I'm fine with. (laughs) This film talks a lot about trauma, of course, because, I mean, my gosh, the PTSD that these people must be suffering from. So how do you, do you like the way this film handles trauma, especially with Sydney, probably mainly more than others, but. So I found it very interesting. Yeah, it's like PTSD to the max. Like if you go into the DSM, there's not enough PTSD to cover the PTSD that they have. (laughs) Like it's gone beyond it into complex PTSD because now it's just like, it's becoming generational at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, like everybody involved, especially by the fourth one, because the cousin's like, I want my piece of the pie. Whatever. (laughs) Sorry, Susie, I just can't. (laughs) She makes me nuts. Nuts. Um, I do find it really interesting that in the third one, Sid is working for a women's crisis line because a lot of people who have been through seriously traumatic events and stuff like that um, often turn to wanting to help others because they've kind of been through it. It's part of the way that they process their stuff and her wanting to help. So I thought that was really interesting that they had put that in there because you don't see that a lot in film and TV. It happens in the real world. So the fact that they were aware enough to put it in, I was kind of, my geeky psych self was like, oh, that was kind of cool that they put that in there. <laughs> Her, I don't know how she would trust anybody ever again. She I really, did. I really don't. So that's what messed me up the most at the end of the third movie, right? So she distrusts the cop, Patrick Dempsey's character in the third one, right? Who, he's a whatever, but, you know, she's like, sitting at his desk looking through the books and he makes a statement and she's like, are you the killer? Like, Mm -hmm. how do you know these things? Why are you making that statement? He's got the file on her with all the newspaper articles. So it like builds that feeling of distrust, what's going on. And then by the end of the movie, when it's all said and done and they're Gail and Dewey are there and they're getting ready to watch the movie and the door, like she, she, blows open the gate when she comes back with the dog, doesn't relock the gate, doesn't set her code, opens it, purposefully opens it double wide, comes back into her house, turns to set the code and goes, "Eh, we're not going to set the code. Closes the door, but the door blows open. She stares at it for a second and walks away. (laughs) Who leaves a door open? I want to know. That's my other slight tangent. Every single one of these movies, these people leave their windows open and nobody has screens. Do they live in a place without bugs? <laughs> because I want to know why they have no window screens. That bothers me because we live in Colorado and we don't have bugs here. But I can't have windows without screens because A, my cats would probably launch themselves out of it. But B, we do have flies and they would come in the house. And bees. And bees. And wasps, <laughs> which are just assholes with wings and a vendetta. But Moths. Moths. Sorry. Right. Like... <laughs> Where are these people living that they can have windows without screens? <laughs> That's, I, Susie figured that out for me too. You are my research. Yeah, they live in that um, special part of Disney, you know, when they spray the thing that gets rid of all the insects. They live in that neighborhood. Oh, <laughs> I did not know there was an entire neighborhood. Yeah. You know, there's a Disney um, neighborhood. That's attended for another time. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Though, so, The fact that she would have this deep-seated distrust and then she just cavalierly does those things at the end of the third one really bother me because it's like they lost... I don't don't know who's in charge of 
the continuity of the story and the script and like let's make sure that we keep these people like they've got trauma we, we're banking on their trauma that they behave a certain way and then we just forget that is weird to me because it's like she would distrust everybody she would still be locking and coding everything until the end of time just because of that distrust like i mean let's be real anybody who's ever been through something not even that significant has a sense of distrust and i agree with susie about dewey not processing tatum and that it's you know it's all part of because we're focused on sid but they don't it's not just him they don't deal with any That's death good. They don't deal with any grief or loss in the entire series because they're moving from one crisis to the next. And so nobody talks like death is a not, it's almost a non-issue. Like, all right, they're dead. Let's move on. Who's next? Like, how are we combating this killer? So the grief and loss piece is never touched upon. But my biggest complaint is that she just very, leaves the door wide open. Yeah. Susie, how do you think? They oh, I completely agree. Like, yeah, we, like, from the first two cards, like, the third one, we do see her, how she's kind of, like, dealing with that trauma and how it's made her really untrustful. And I would not trust again. <laughs> I still have some issues with trust. <laughs> Other life issues mm -hmm. aside. <laughs> it's, it's just, I would never trust anyone again. And then to go... Like, yeah, like Sasha said, when that when she comes back home, just doesn't set anything, log anything. It's kind of like putting a stake in front of a lion and being like, oh, it's going to get it. So come get me. I'm right there. It's like, no, put the stake away. <laughs> this won't end well. But and even in like one of my issues with the fourth one kind of is, is she's just done a book tour. Like, I get it. She wrote a self-help book because she wanted to, like, help people. But a book tour involves traveling and being in unknown places around unknown people. Like, Sasha went to a book signing recently. She knows what that's like. She knows how many people you can cram into one space. Anyone could be over <laughs> And you're sitting on top of each other. The person next to anybody could just be, like, real quick, knife in the kidney and walk away. And you would never know who did it. Just be like, mm -hmm. I'm just saying. Aaron's paid. face was just like, oh my god, what just happened? <laughs> no, I was just thinking. No, I was. We're gonna make people fearful of book settings. Just like, watch out. <laughs> They're gonna. Have to... are perfectly safe. They are. We're just generally. It's the trunk of your car. You generally. have to worry about later. Yeah. Generally, it's the trunk of your car. Yeah. No, that's how I assess if a car is good. Um viability is if I can cram a body into it, but that's just on my own um specifications for a vehicle. This doesn't apply to Doesn't everybody do that? Does everybody do that? I thought yeah. everybody did that. No? Every time I've gone shopping for a car, I'm like, oh I could fit a body in there. Perfect. No, I get into the car and I'm like, can I fit in here? Okay. If I can fit, then it's gonna fit meet my needs. Wow. Not that I'm saying yeah, don't put any of my panelists on a list, please. Um Yeah. Just <laughs> Well, hey. You have to know if you're if you ever end up in the trunk of your own car, you have to know where the lights are so that you can That's bang true. them out and wait for help. I have to know help. how I can get out. It's a safety feature. It's a safety feature, but also FBI. Remember that thing I googled the other day, FBI guy? Just forget that. Just forget. That, that. was just natural curiosity at one a.m. Just forget it. 
Don't you feel like any watch list, anybody who watches horror movies or does anything like the podcast, any of us, like we Google the most random crap, you know, do do you think they go, oh, they're in film school. Oh, they run a podcast. Oh, they, they do stuff with psychology. Oh, they, they're in fandom stuff. Like at a certain point they have to like negate you from any danger list. Just like (laughs) compare and be like, oh yeah, no, they're part of this fandom and that one. Oh, oh they, they like- watch Supernatural. Ignore yeah. anything they Google. Yeah. Oh, they really like Criminal Minds. Okay, let's just... Yep, move on. <laughs> this one's clear, but let's move <laughs> Yeah, like I always say, like if I'm ever in any horrific accident where I'm completely horribly mangled, any SFX artists are completely free to use my image as inspiration for wounds. <laughs> wow. I'm giving permission. Yeah. Well, we well we have one that does listen to this and was interviewed. So Midian, Monster Midian. <laughs> yeah, you can put me on your Pinterest board and use me as inspo if needed. I'm cool with well, it. We don't want to put that out there. That's not going to happen. So, <laughs> I mean, just in the event. But just I want to get my my I want to put my eggs in the basket first and just say if that were to happen, you do have my permission and consent. Instead of a donor registry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I know I, I was probably put on a list when I was Googling mummified babies when I was writing a screenplay with mummified babies. So I know I'm on a list somewhere. We're all on that list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you have anything else on the trauma? Sorry, Susie. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> like with the whole, like you're traveling, you're going to weird, unknown places, unknown hotels. Book signings are packed. Like, I would not trust. No, I wouldn't trust anyone. I would recede into a bunker and you wouldn't hear from me yeah. at all. Maybe just like cryptic messages just to let people know I'm still alive. But other than that, just nope. Yeah, because could we get some continuity between the things? Like, I want to know what's going on. Like, that's why I'm really curious about the fifth one. Like, I want to see what she's been up to. Like, she giving self defense classes? Like, I would love to see that. He's like, here's what you need to do if you need to take out a family member. If you need to take out a family member. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think the whole leaving the door open thing, I think the only reason they did that was to give was for the audience to expect one last scare or something. But it made no sense. It didn't fit her character. I think they could have easily shown that she was feeling a little tiny bit better but still have the trust issues with the fact that she has Dewey and Gail there. And maybe like she doesn't set her alarm since they're both there. And even though that might go against her character a little bit, I think that would have been better than showing her just leaving the door open and not even for security reasons. She is living in like mountainous terrain. You don't, I mean, I don't know if there are mountain lions there since she's in California, I believe. So, you know, a mountain lion might come in, a bear or something like that, too. So it's not just for security reasons. It's also, nobody does that, really. It's kind of, I mean, that's kind of stupid. A swarm I mean, yes. of angry wasps. Yeah, it's just. Killer bees. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I don't know. It's It, it was just kind of like a stupid thing to throw in there to show that she's getting better. But also, I think, to have the audience feel like there might be one last scare and then there isn't. So I I just didn't like that. I did like her, them showing her in the second one working for the trauma line. 
I do know as someone who has PTSD, I do know a lot of therapy. They used to tell me all the time, go volunteer somewhere. It'll help you. And I always rolled my eyes at it first, to be honest. I was like, what, why, what is it, you know, why, how would this help me? And then when I volunteered at an animal shelter for qu quite a long time, I was like, oh, now I get it because no, I'm not working with people in trauma, but animals that have been through traumatic experiences, some of them. And it is that thing where you are able to get out of your own head for a bit and you're able to not focus on your own trauma and your own stuff and crap that's going on. And you're able to focus on something else and help. And it actually does. It's amazing how much it helps. So advice, everybody, when, when you hear them say that, I know sometimes the temptation is to roll your eyes, but it actually does help. <laughs> it's amazing how much it helps. So I did like that. Yeah, the book signing thing was a little weird, but I do think her writing a book was actually a really interesting thing to show because as someone who writes too, it's, it is a really good way to work out your trauma, to have it in written form. Even if you're not a writer, I think that's a good kind of exercise mentally to have it out there, to have, you know, like fake conversations with people maybe if you want to, or just even writing out what that experience was so that Sometimes I think that the tendency can be if you've gone through trauma, be like, oh, it's not that bad and I'm over, I'm exaggerating about it or other people might react to you that way. So I think sometimes writing it down and being like, oh my gosh, yeah, wow, I survived all that. That's that's amazing. That's incredible. Patting yourself on the back and also just seeing that this was real and it makes sense that you have PTSD or it makes sense that you don't trust or it makes sense that this, that. So I did like that. I, I do think it'd be interesting if they ever showed her like, I don't know, actually seeing a therapist or actually in in a therapy appointment, but I guess that might not fit, but I don't know that. And then it is, I think the thing is with all these movies is these characters are constantly in fight or flight mode, constantly, 24-7. That's what they're always in, which is a stressor on your body anyway, but they're constantly in that. So because they're in that mode, I think that's part of the reason you never see them deal with the grief. I mean, who knows if they try and deal with it in between movies, <laughs> but you never see it on screen because they're all constantly in that. But it would be nice to have that where you have like a little brief moment of, you know, with Dewey, with, with his sister, maybe but like, I don't know, like coming across something of hers and having a little tiny, that's all you need. Just like a little tiny minute of that where he came across that and had a little flash in his uh, in his eyes of like missing her or little tears or something like that. Or, oh, I really miss my sister or I wish Tatum was here to experience this. I mean, not the trauma part, but <laughs> to experience maybe something good. Like if you if you had shown like Dewey and Gail getting married, like, oh, I wish my sister was here to enjoy this, that, that kind of thing, you know, something like that. Um, or even when Dewey proposes like some kind of mention of her or any of the characters just kind of throwing that in there. Because the thing with Sydney is Sydney comes into this movie with trauma. It's not like she gets trauma from the first one. She comes in to the first one with trauma because her mother was murdered. And so she already has the trauma from that. So she's constantly getting trauma just piled on her. So while I think they, for the most part, actually kind of handle it okay, I kind of wish they'd go a little bit deeper into that and also deal with a lot of the grief that all these people are dealing with because that's just adding to their trauma. But like I said, maybe that's behind the scenes stuff that we never get to see. <laughs> but show, don't tell. 
is <laughs> what we want to see. So, yeah. Kind of like we talked about in horror movies where it's like hauntings, moving of the silverware is not good movie. Yeah, yeah. Somebody sitting on a therapeutic couch is not good TV unless it's Lucifer and it's Linda and <laughs> it's part of the plot integral parts. But you're right. It could have been something super simple like, you know, she could have gotten like while Gail was sitting at her computer going, I don't know what the fuck to type. An email could have popped up like Dr. So-and-so reminder yeah. therapy appointment. Oh, like a split second could have fixed it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Since we have time, I want to just know, what do you hope to see in the fifth scream, Sasha? Like wildest, whatever your hopes are. So I can tell you what I don't want to see. I don't want to see them turn any of the our three final characters into the killer. I don't want them to be like, it's 25 years later and all the trauma because they haven't gotten therapy or hot cocoa hugs have turned them into ghost face. Like that would be terrible. I am afraid that they're going to kill off one, possibly more of our mains because at this point, I mean, this will be the fifth movie in the franchise. Nobody's going to survive that long. Like we're going to have to lose one of them, if not two of them. Yeah. So I'm afraid for that. Uh, I really hope it's not another secret family member that pops up out of the woodwork because that would, I think that would ruin the franchise for me. Honestly, I think if that happened, I'd be like, and I'm out. Like I wouldn't be able to do, if they did a sixth one, I wouldn't be able to do it. So um, those are my, like if it was a reveal, would you walk out mid movie? Just like, I'm I done. Might. I might, I might. So we're all going to have to go see it together. Yes. So that if it is another family <laughs> so, member and so we to lose you, shit, down, you yeah. guys can be like, we're just oh, going to hold her. Just yeah. keep watching. Um, so as far as like what I hope happens, I don't want to put any expectations on it because I love this franchise so dearly. So I don't want to be disappointed by it. But those are things that I definitely do not want to see happen because I think it would ruin the franchise for me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Susie. Yeah, I don't. Well, the only thing that I would love for them not to do would be to create an overwhelming focus on the youths. <laughs> yeah, we do not like the youths. Because <laughs> I am not about it. And I don't want this to be like too, like, I feel, I hope they don't, but I, I don't want them to like put in like, quotes or jokes that will make this dated in a year or so like i don't want them to do that because oh let me tell you how oh no no and i i'd be it'd be really interesting to see how they get around like the whole everyone has cell phones thing now because again like i don't know because yeah before it was like landlines and now it's everyone has a cell phone in their hand and you, they don't it's kind of like um, there's this joke in Spanish where you hang, where you tell someone, "Oh, you're hanging on to that like how a trunk hangs onto a bottle." <laughs> they just don't let it go, like, and that's what the youths do. They don't let go of the freaking phone. Put it down for a second, Mary, and like go touch some grass. <laughs> <laughs> but I like I want I want to know more than anything. I want to know what these characters have been up to. I want to know what. What Gail and Dewey have been up to? Like, are they still together in in Scream canon verse? Have they separated? Like, what's, what's going on there? Have 
what what has Sydney been up to? His like is she like what's is she still writing books? Is she doing classes? Is she working on the hotline again? Like what's what's the story there? Is she a mom now? That would be really interesting to like explore that maybe if she is. Or if she isn't, just like have her hanging out with her dog. I'm cool with that too. That would actually make me really happy. Like, yes, you hang out with the doggo. <laughs> I don't want any like hidden family members. I would love it if, you know, Matthew Willard made an appearance because he's one of my favorite actors. But if he doesn't, that's fine. I'm, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like overwork myself to the point that if he's not there, I'm going to be like, oh. So I just, I just hope you're in it, Matthew. And if not, that's fine. I, I, I do think someone's going to die from the three main, and I don't want that to happen. I don't want any of them to die, honestly. And I think it'll probably be Dewey. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't want any of them to die. But it, but it doesn't make sense that they would all still continue to live. It really doesn't logically make sense. So I don't want to see it, but I think that'll probably happen. Um, and I agree. I don't think it should be a family member. When you, when you said the Sydney's child, I just had a brief flash that her child ends up being the murderer. <laughs> that would not be okay. I do. And, and I don't want any of the main three to end up being the killer either. Cause I agree. I think that might have been okay early on, but because the franchise has lasted so long, I think it would just kind of ruin it and taint it. And I just, I know a lot of people have said that, you know, oh, it's going to eventually end up being Sydney is going to become Ghostface, And that doesn't fit her. And I don't, doesn't fit the storyline. And that would just, I don't, don't like that. I would, I would love it if somehow, but this, this, this series really isn't about the, you know, supernatural elements of, you know, like with Freddie and Michael and, Jason, it doesn't have those elements of you can't ever kill them. They always come back. So as much as I would love to see Billy and Stu, like somehow, because people have been talking that that might be what who the killers are, somehow they came back and survived or they've got superhuman whatever going on. As much as I would love that, it it would be kind of silly with this series to do that because it doesn't fit with anything they've done before. Uh, they've always, you know, killed the person. The person's always actually died. So I think that wouldn't be okay. So I just keep naming things I don't want to see. But <laughs> because it's so much easier to be like, oh my god, this would be terrible. Oh, don't do that. Oh, don't do and that. What I want to see. Yeah. yeah, I I would love if I'm trying to think what kind of killer I would want Ghostface to be. I definitely want it to be a couple people. It might be kind of interesting to up it to three just for fun. Ooh. Maybe fancy. It's <laughs> Maybe it's Gail, Dewey, and Sydney. <laughs> and they and all they're sick survive. of the youths. And they're sick of the youths. <laughs> so they take out all the youths. I'm honestly done for that one. <laughs> yeah. Stick out the youths. Yeah, I will stick through that entire movie. You guys won't have to restrain me for that. Yeah. I think my biggest fear, Aaron, is it's not Wes Craven. Yeah, yeah that's no, part I of my know. like, like, how is like it apprehension. Continue? But I want to say the pe the directors that are doing this movie did an amazing, excellent movie that came out a couple of years ago called Ready or Not. Oh, okay. Ready or Not is fantastic. And <laughs> so I do trust these directors. <laughs> that okay. gives me hope. I'm less if fearful now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's like, it's 
it's a Wes Craven. Like we love Wes. Yeah. We miss him dearly. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I get that totally. I think if it was in any other director's hands other than the ones they've picked and a couple others, I can think that would probably do a good job. I, I would be really apprehensive, but I'm not so much. I'm actually really excited to watch this one. I kind of had hope that it would have come out around this time. So we could have also talked about it, but maybe we'll do a special bonus episode talking about the fifth one when that one comes out. We're, we're going to go for my birthday because it comes out the week of my birthday. Ah, so we're going for Sasha's birthday. So we're going. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, I want to just quickly say, and I'll say this in our Nightmare on Elm Street episode two, just in case people don't listen to both of these. I did a poll because they're both Wes Craven. I know I had someone comment and say they're nothing alike, so I can't choose between them. I know they're not alike, but they're both slashers and they're both Wes Craven franchises. I mean, yes, Kevin Williamson as well. Sorry, we didn't mention Kevin Williamson, but I know he, he wrote, you know, a bunch of them. So sorry, Kevin. But we did a poll seeing if you like Scream or Nightmare on Elm Street better. I also gave the option of Don't Make Me Choose. This was on Twitter or both. And this was a very popular poll. I did time it to come out a little bit because Scream is really big right now because of the new trailer. So everybody's talking about that. But I, even with that, I was still surprised how by how much Scream won. Uh, there were moments when it was tied, but Scream won by 52%. Nightmare on Elm Street, 39%. Don't Make Me Choose, 3%. And both got 6%. So I think, you know... A couple of people commented, you know, that Scream actually is the better one overall because of the sequel wise. Um, but then people would be like, but then I like Freddy better as a villain. But overall, Scream, it makes better sequels. Like it's more competently made and it's just better to watch. For some people, though, they did say the one thing is, though, is that with Nightmare on Elm Street, I have to give it to that because Dream Warriors is a better sequel than any Scream sequel. <laughs> I have a feeling that is going to be on pretty much everybody's list on our Nightmare on Elm Street episode for favorite ones. I can already tell it's going to be on Sasha and Susie's. So <laughs> spoiler there. But yeah, so I just thought that was interesting. I don't know if it's just because the momentum with the screen poll, but I thought Nightmare would win. Uh, but yeah, it was. It, there was a time when it was tied, but then I retweeted to break the tie and it was all over. So <laughs> there was just no way. Okay, so I'm going to go, we're going to go ahead and close this one out. And Sasha, where can people find you? Yep, you can find me on the Instagram at Vegan Geek Chick. And there I have a link to my doggie's Instagram. I haven't posted a whole lot of him lately, but I'll up my game for you. Uh, <laughs> so you guys can see his shenanigans. So, yep, that's where you can find me. Awesome, thank you. And Susie? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at... Suzyq underscore sc and then there's another underscore for Instagram and my dog's Instagram is at Benny underscore Benicita. So just come and hang with with us and see the shenanigans that both of us get up to. <laughs> awesome, thank you. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at e April Beauty. The e and the a and the b are capitalized. I've been pretty quiet over there. Every once in a while, you will see me. Still geeking. I'm still on my Finn Whitrock kick. And I'm also on a Darren Chris kick because he just released a Christmas album. And 
yeah, and he also has the funniest TikTok little video that I just absolutely just loved because we're trying to learn TikTok for this podcast because our TikToks are actually the most viewed things we ever put out there are our TikTok things, you know, so we're trying to up our TikTok game and Darren Chris did a TikTok video of how to do TikTok videos and it was, it's hilarious. So go, go find that TikTok thing. It's, it is, it's really, really funny, but you can follow the show on TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. We are there. It's a lot of fun. Aaron and I are trying our hardest to learn all the different things that go into TikTok video creation. You may see some upcoming clips from some of our trivia nights. We have clips up there from our American Horror Story live stream reaction thing that are very funny. One of them talking about, you know, what Valiant Thor will do for a good piece of fudge. <laughs> or who he'll do, I should say. Or I don't know if I don't know if he even has a gender, so I shouldn't say that, but you know. Had some fun with Mrs. Eisenhower there. <laughs> but follow us there. Be sure to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's on that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you would like to be a potential interview guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And since this is dropping Wednesday, be sure to join us on Twitter unless anything changes with IHC. Why can I never say that? In my head, I say it correctly. So I apologize, everybody. Uh, but they did reach a tentative agreement. I, I've heard some some people in the union do not like this agreement they've reached, so they might vote no on it. But it still seems like they're not actually going to be going on a, on strike. This could all be moot by this point since it's Wednesday when this is dropping. But as long as none of the union members have called people to not watch things on streaming services, we will be doing a live tweet of American Horror Story double feature, the finale. Thank you. Thank you, the Lord above, that this is over. <laughs> We've been hate watching the second part, as everybody knows. If you followed us, if you've watched our live stream, we do not like Death Valley, which is the title of the second part of Double Feature. Bring back Red Tide. But we will be doing, we will be talking about the finale and then we'll also be talking about, and then we will also be doing a live stream going over re our reactions. And then, and Susie doesn't know this yet, so I'm throwing this to her right now, but probably what I'll want to do the next week since Dexter's not on yet, because that's going to be the next thing we're going to live tweet and then live stream, is we'll probably do a live stream the following Thursday as well, probably. Uh, talking about our reactions to the season overall. So we'll get to talk about Red Tide more. I may or may not be doing that so we can talk about Finn Whitrock more. But hey, it's my show. I can do what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be such a nuisance because I'm, um, I'm just going to want to talk about Finn. I'm so glad that I have other people on board with me on this because... I <laughs> I gotta tell you, I'm like, I know I'm annoying some people with this love of Finn, but I can't help it. But anyway, but that that should be a lot of fun, even though we have been hate watching this part. I think our live stream will be fun on that one. And of course, if you play along with the bingo card, our special Ryan Murphy bingo card, which I still can't believe I didn't put tentacles on that bingo card. I'm still kicking myself. I know. You could win a podcast pin. I will probably change the bingo card for the following Thursday since we will be talking about Red Tide as well. So we're going to talk about them combined. So I'll probably add vampire 
stuff on there as well. Maybe I'll add tentacles then at that time. So that should be a lot of fun. And then for our next episode, we're going to be talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. So I am very excited. Susie and Sasha are returning for that one. And then we have my podcast brain twin, Jen, from my streaming bubble, who I love Jen so, so, so much. If you know me, you know that I love her a, a ton. So I'm excited to have her on. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then Friday, we have, sorry, lots to go over here. If the Friday night, we have our eighth, our eighth horror trivia night, psychological horror. Meg is back. We're going to have Bex on from um, Big Reputations podcast. And then um, Aaron Amos is going to be on that one as well. So that one's very exciting. So we're almost done with our horror trivia next year. I can guarantee you we are not doing 10 nights of this. <laughs> it's too much for me. So we will be cutting that back, but it's been a lot of fun. So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing, black lives matter and stop Asian hate. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.